The time has come. Hello. What's up, Zach? Not much. You? Not a lot, man. So we haven't um, let the world know about this thing that happened to you, I don't know, 10 days ago or so. Um, Second time you did this thing, you ran Boston Marathon. The first time, what would you rank? Like, okay, out of 10 Olympic scoring, how would you rate your first Boston Marathon? Whether it be the run, you know, all all of that. How would you rank it? Six. Six, flat number. Okay. And then you, is that a disappointing number for you? I mean, is that No, I uh, I suppose if if I was to do, if I had done that once and not done it again, it would have ranked higher. Um, Mm. After doing it the second time, that's what would cause, that's what caused me to lower my score to six, just because the second time around was so much better than the first. And then this one 10 days ago, how was that? That was, yeah, that was, uh, that was like the real experience. Cause it was on Patriots day. There was 30,000 runners. Uh, so that was really more like the traditional Boston. So when I wasn't there, time, wasn't there 25,000 people last time? Yeah, but it was, um, it, it was a smaller field. It was, uh, it was just, it was different uh, from what people were saying. I, a lot of chatter talking about, man, this is this is what Boston's back. This is what it is. It has to be on Patriots Day. Uh, and then the I think the wave start made a difference uh, in October as well. Um, so this people were back in corrals and they released everybody and just the thunderest herd of uh, runners stampeding through the street. Hmm. Your ranking would be what? Six before, what would be this one? Yeah, I, I mean, this is nine, nine something. Uh, I mean, it was just, I, I wish that everybody had a chance to uh, experience it because it's really, it's so unique. It's one of a kind. What, what I take out of this, and we've talked about this on the record, off the record, on camera, off camera, on the phone, off the phone, whatever, yeah. is um, you do something, you're satisfied or unsatisfied with that scenario but you want to improve it either way. And then you kind of look back at that, reflect on that and, and improve upon that uh, from October to what is this April, I guess, you, you know, did you do that? Was there anything kind of um, from the process that, that, that you went through to, to try to improve that? Well, training in the, tr- for me, training in the winter makes all the difference in the world. Uh, yeah, as you know, training in the Virginia versus heat. 90 deep, Yeah. In humidity during the summer, it was, it's just, that's, it's like survival. Yeah. So, uh, from a fitness standpoint, I was way better, way more prepared than I was, um, in, in October when I was training through the summer. I think after you do something once too, there's that jitter is gone because you know what to expect. Even yeah. if you don't remember any of those things. Yeah. The learning just, curve. No was huge and even even after running it the second time I, I there was still so much more that i learned that uh if i was to run it again that i would take with me um hmm. so is the third in the works i mean do you, do you think well i'd gonna... have to requalify i tell everybody it's just man i I would, I would have to age up i'm at the top of my age group right now so it's a whole lot easier when the young you're the year one of your age group as opposed to the last year of your age group. What is the next age group? I'm in the, I'm in the 45 to 49 and then I would 
next age group would be 50 to 54. And does the time change on that? Yeah. I don't know what it is, but it's, it's not as fast. Yeah. I think at my current age, I have to do a 305, which is just, yeah, I could do that in a half, but um <laughs> Do you think that from from a learning experience on that, you think that can carry away, carry into into business from, hey, I did this thing before I've 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 started this company before and then you start a different company. You think you can you can learn from that process? For sure. I mean, it's just there's a lot that's said about first time founders uh, and then second time founders, third time founders, whatever the case is. Carrying all that with you. Yeah. You learn a lot from it. Yeah. I would much rather bet on a. uh, if, if, if three companies or two companies were put in front of me and they had the same, the business was the same, so even the solve problem or saving the solve problem, solving the same problem. And one was a first time founder and one was a second time founder. Yeah. I, mean, I would, I would, the second time founder would uh, carry more weight with me than the first time founder. Hmm. You know, today's guest. Do, Do I you? know today? Yeah. Uh, yeah. I, yeah, James was a, uh, he was a participant on Star Peninsula and he was a finalist in the competition. And uh, yeah, I'm looking forward to hearing about what he has going on and, and how things have changed. Well, he dressed up for the occasion. So thank James. you. Yeah, I have Argyle on, so I, I'm sorry that's against the rules. But yes, it would have changed, but Zach said I was okay today. But I wish it was a vest. It won't happen again. It won't happen again. Welcome to the show, James. Thanks for having me, guys. What does OCT stand for? Uh, so I started my Twitter when I was right out of college. Uh, I'm Theta Chi. It just seemed to fit right in the middle of my name. So that's what it's been there ever since. Yes, yeah, so I was Theta Chi in college, and that's what it is. It's the O and the X. Uh, that's, that's not as exciting as I was hoping. Nope. I so thought we were going to have like an Ox versus Buffalo. Um like mm. battle going on but but no yeah fraternity stuff so silly college stuff until you talk to investors and stuff and they were theta guys as well super helpful interesting so yeah so you're, are you, the, are you the, the the founder the co-founder or what uh yeah so uh i am one of three founders one of three uh, founders the video was my idea um but i do have two co-founders um, John Vernon and Jeremy Pianalto. Um, one is here locally, and the other is in Germany. Uh, wow. The U.S. government over there. Jeremy. What is what is, uh, what is Let's Video? Yeah, so uh, we partner with enterprise level companies to do culture building virtual events that are fun and engaging. Um, we I'm an extrovert, and so in the start of COVID. I realized that people weren't hanging out because they couldn't. They were locked in apartments and houses. And so we applied that idea to business. Business can no longer hang out and do happy hours. And uh, that's important for community building, for client building, relationships, that kind of stuff. And so I said, well, what does this look like post-COVID and during COVID, uh, the pandemic? And so we just launched a business that does virtual events. Anything from uh, I've run an escape room to Dungeons and Dragons. Uh, for for companies, uh, all inclusive. Uh, we ship the product. We do all of that, and have hosts that run the event for you. How come whenever I think of Dungeons and Dragons, just as you said that, I thought of like Bears beat some Battlestar Galactica. Yeah, I don't know, but I saw your face; and it interested you. Uh, <laughs> no, so that, that was actually for a, a client, Skillsoft. 
um, they said, what can you do for a group of IT people? And so my co-founder, John, is an IT guy. And I said, John, what would a group of IT people like as, a, as an event? And he said, well, hey, you're really stereotyping them there. That's, I, I asked an IT guy what they would like. And the IT guy said, we would like Dungeons and Dragons. What's worse, Magic the Gathering or Dungeons and Dragons? I've played both and thought they were fun, so judge me if you will. Hmm. With, with let's video was this concept? I don't know anything about either, so I'm just going to yeah. jump right back into. Uh, well, the other quote the was from the office, but that but no one no one really cared about that. But that's okay. Hmm. I'm just curious. What did you come up with this idea before the pandemic? Was this something that was always uh, bouncing around your head, or did you once everything shut down, you're like hey, we got to do something. And then you came up with a solution. Yeah. So um, I, I'm an extreme extrovert. Um, but uh, all of my friends uh, live in Richmond. Like All of my like, close friends live in Richmond and North. Um, my Those are fraternity brothers. My family at that point in time, my parents were in South Africa and had been for eight years. My sister's in Pennsylvania. My brother's in St. Louis with their families. My best friend had just moved to Germany. Um, and so for me, community had always been uh, a virtual thing, whether I'm playing Xbox or Zoom happy hours or this or that. That's just how I hung out with my people. Um, and so in the midst of the pandemic, I realized that everybody needed what I was already doing. And so that that's kind of how the idea came about. So it was a solution that I had that I realized other people needed. And we just applied to the business space as opposed to a personal space. Do you, OK, so I, I know absolutely zero about you. Yep. absolutely zero about the business. So I, I, I enjoy these conversations yeah. in this situation so that I can like, I, I, I can think from my mind. Uh, okay. So is it a piece of technology? Are you throwing people on a zoom? Like how, how is the actual business of that work? Um, from just the, I, okay. You got 10 people that are working at a company together. They all need to go to this place. So they all logging into their zoom. Did you put them into your own piece of technology? Yeah, no, so so we use Zoom. Uh, it's, it. it's the best for us right now. Long term, we do see a, a, a technology play there. Zoom's great for business, not so great for social, but it's what we have right now. Um, what was that thing? It was called like House Party or something like that. Remember when the yeah. pandemic? Yeah, that uh, it had like came, that. Came and went real fast. Yeah, yeah. Yeah. But I, there was a cool piece of technology behind that. If someone bought that, that was smart for them to sell at that point. That thing had like, that was like Tiger King. It had like four weeks of fame. Yeah. Yeah. I, there's so many questions that I have just, just regarding your whole trajectory for uh, that happened within the last couple of years, just in terms of, because it, it, the space got super crowded and then things have kind of lulled. And, uh, you know, so now it's now we'll find out who the real players are. And well, people, I feel like people hate Zoom too, like being on Zoom all day. Well, so, so, it's, so it's interesting, right? Because the, there's a very different mindset of being in a Zoom meeting where you're being lectured to or you're taking notes or, or that. What we hear from customers is that their people forgot they were on Zoom. And I know hmm. that sounds ridiculous. But something magical happens when you're doing something in front of you, be it cooking, mixing drinks, but you're engaged in this very real space in front of you and engaged in the world that is online and Zoom. Uh, that you're laughing with friends, but you're also drinking a cocktail that you've learned to make and somebody's talked to you about. Or you're tasting wine or chocolate. Like it's, it's a very uh, multi-sensory experience. And it sounds crazy. People go, 
my team forgot they were on Zoom. Now, did they really forget they were on Zoom? Probably not, but it's not Zoom fatigue like a meeting, right? That it's something special. Yeah, so the subject is what matters, not necessarily the people being in front of a, a thing like this. Because, well, I mean, if you think about it, like I, I, I don't see Tim that often, but I feel like he's right in front of me. Yeah. And I, you know, I, I think it's the subject and the activity. Yeah. yeah. Interesting. Right. Like, like if, if we were playing trivia right now, uh, it would be a lot harder to forget that I was not playing trivia in a bar. If I was cooking and I was engaged here, but also engaged with my oven over here and doing stuff and going, Hey Tim, uh, your hollandaise sauce looks different than mine. How do I fix that? And Tim being the chef goes, Hey, you do this and this, and I'm now back over here. Then I'm eating this meal and you know, the chef's going, Hey, you should taste this, this, and this. You're going, Oh, I do taste this, this, and this. Right. And then, but now you've had this moment with a group of people virtually, but also in your own space and something happens in your brain and it's, it's very different than a zoom meeting or a WebEx meeting or a, a cloud meeting. Um, it's crazy. Tim, are you an extreme extrovert? Me? I am like, uh, I am like r- the uh, ambivert. I am right in the middle. Yeah, I, I don't know an if ambivert. I'm an introverted extrovert. Is that, is that what that is? Yeah. Like, Did not Nicole Campbell tell us that that was the word? I don't know, man. That's uh ambiverts in the middle. Yeah. Ambivert is the thing in the middle. It's a four syllable word. So it, uh, it's a big one. <laughs> so how do you define, like, how, like, how do you learn that you are an extreme extrovert? Uh, I've done a number of personality tests over the years. So uh, do you score uh, a one or 100? Oh, I score off the charts extrovert. Like, yeah, I'm like, I'm like a four, a 49 or a 51. It, uh, huh. they have tests for this. Oh yeah. 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 The Myers Briggs is, uh, probably one of the most common in the corporate world. Um, there's a, another big one that's coming up in corporate world is the big five. It's a work hmm. profile, uh, how you act at work. Um, so disc is how you act like the disc profiles. Right. 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 Generally the DISC one. Yeah. The big five is okay. So that's normal, but then you're in a workplace. How do you work on a team? And, uh, how do you process? How do you solve problems? How flexible are you in things? And so that also has an introvert extrovert scale. On when you're onboarding companies to uh, to do an event, do you ask like, like what type of what the audience is? Are uh, does do you find that your platform works better for an extroverted group versus an introverted group, or does everyone just kind of eventually come out of their shell and have a have a good time? No, I, I think it's not the platform as much as the event. And so I am asking mm. those questions. Tell me about your team. Uh, and a group of introverts, for example, may enjoy a wine tasting or a chocolate tasting or a coffee tasting where they can live in their own world, taste their coffee and input minor things back and forth. Um, whereas an extrovert group will enjoy a murder mystery or an escape room because that involves dressing up as in costume and playing a character and some of those more party kind of things um, that aren't as easy to hide in. And so what I tell groups is like a murder mystery sounds fun, but if you're a group of introverts who don't want to live into this crazy space and be outgoing and play a role, they're going to be miserable the whole time. Um, let's do something different with them. And so I really work with the companies to decide and the, the teams to go, what is, what is your team like? What do they enjoy? And how can we create an experience that they love in the mm. process? So it's not so much the of uh, the platform as it is the event that we choose to do with them. Okay. Interesting. You started this when? Uh, May of 2020. 
June of 2020. What is your skill set? You uh, yeah, people. Uh, so uh, I have a my undergrads in physics. Uh, and like all good physics majors, I was a youth pastor for 15 years. Uh, and so just really engaging people, creating environments, helping people connect. Um, and then I went from that pre-pandemic, I resigned where I was to do some consulting work, both church and technology. And then nobody wanted to consult during the pandemic. Imagine that. And uh, so here we are. Uh, this is what I'm doing now. Uh, but my, my skill set is people, relationships, connecting, creating environments, that kind of stuff. Yeah, but I think, you know, looking at the same time, so you majored in physics and you minored in uh, computer science and math. I mean, that that's uh, pretty pretty impressive. Are you technical in, in nature in terms of uh, what, building the company? Did, did you do a lot of it or did you hire people to, to build the platform? So I would love to hear about that. Yes, yeah, so uh, my co-founder, John, is uh, the technology. I mean, he, he eats, sleeps, and breathes technology. I can read code. I can teach myself to write code. I haven't programmed in years. Um, but when it comes to like the nuts and bolts of the website, uh, that's John. Um, I think my skill set comes into uh, the strategy, the vision. Um, the we If we're going here, this is how we need to get there. Uh, steps of the business. So um, organizational development uh, is what my master's degree is in. I left that out of the bio, but um, I have a master's in organizational development leadership. And so like the the, the strategy vision steps one through 10, I, I'm really good at making complicated things simple um, and then helping people understand how to get from one thing to the very complicated end result. Uh, so that's kind of my skill set in that, but I can program uh, I teach myself to do that. Um, I just haven't done it in, in quite some time. Did you pitch to two other people to work on this with you? How did they come about into the yeah? The I wanted May to hear about that too. That? Yeah. So John and I um, have uh, so Jeremy and I uh, were best friends for years. Uh, he took a job with Army NATO in Germany, uh, and John is his cousin's husband. And I've known John for years, um, but we we never really hung out. And so when Jeremy left, he said, hey, you need a friend and John needs a friend. You all should get a beer. And we did. And uh, we just really hit it off and kept getting beers. And it wasn't long before our conversations became entrepreneurial in mind. Like, hey, what if we did this or what if we did this? And he and I talked about everything from like tiny home renovations to um, app ideas. And um, and so this one came to me and it was just a conversation uh, over a beer. And he said, you know, I think I think that's something. And so. We were talking about it, and um, Jeremy wanted to be involved from Germany, uh, and so we pitched it to him, and and that's kind of the, the story there. What kind so of beer? I, what kind of beer? That time, you know, I don't remember that time, but uh, all kinds of beer. Uh, the best part about this thing is I've learned to make my own beer as one of our classes. Uh, you, so now, you brewing your own beer? Is that what you just said? Yeah, let's video taught me to brew my own beer. That's interesting. I've brewed beer twice in my life. Um, once with someone who had done it before, it was awesome. Yeah. Second time I decided I'm gonna get my own kit. Yeah. Wife buys me one. Not the same experience. I mean, I don't know. I just think brewing beer is boring as heck and it takes forever to do. You can't drink it. You can't do anything else with it. I learned that time when I brewed on my mm. own that you cannot bake ribs and brew beer at the same time, unless you want a little bit of that mosquito mesquite a uh, little taste in there you know a little <laughs> sweet tang in there <laughs> yeah, yeah. <laughs> if you, 
Yeah, no, so I, I, I brewed once years ago. My wife got me a kit and I ruined it like 30, 30 minutes in. And I was like, I'll never do this again. Yeah, the worst thing is it takes six months for you to find out if you did ruin it. <laughs> no, 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 no. no you got a bottle of stupid things and you, you just break the caps and you got beer exploding all over the place. Two weeks, two weeks, two weeks fermenting, one week in a bottle, you can drink it. That is not true. <laughs> Is it, once we're done, look at my buddy uh, at American Homebrew, and he will set you up with the two week. That's where I went. When you my go? wife went, this is like ten years ago. No, 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 no. He just took over two years ago. No, mm. You know, I, I, I'm gonna keep drinking my local beer. How right. does how does it work? Do you have like a, a menu of of topics that you can have that you host, uh, or is it, do you customize it? From from organization to organization. Yeah, so we have a, a list of what I what I call popular events, uh, things that that have worked in the past um, and that people enjoy, uh, and we we build off of those. So it may mm -hmm. say mixology, right? But when we get into mixology, do you want um, a a themed drink based on your logo or your colors? Do you want to do a bourbon drink? Do you want to do mocktails? Do you want to do a vodka drink? Do you want to learn how do you like, there's so many different options within that, that we build off that. And even from there, do you want to do mixology and trivia? Or uh, we had one a while back that was popular where people around the holidays were doing how do I do cocktails and appetizers. So when I host this party, I can now have a themed cocktail with an appetizer that goes with it. So we, so we really just start to build off what they need um, or what they want. And then uh, I tell them if, if there's things that you don't see, ask me about it. That's how we got Dungeons and Dragons. Uh, they said, Hey, can you do this? Um, I said, yeah, you know, we, we can do that. Um, the only thing I've said no to is the uh, casino nights. We just don't have the technology to track chips and all that kind of stuff. Mm. Um, for the most part, you know, if, if you can dream it, I'll be honest and say, yes, I can. or no, I can't uh, do that. What's the largest, uh, largest event you've had? In terms of number of people that uh, were in attendance, yeah, we did a uh, wine and paint night for 150 uh, people. Uh, the challenge with that is it becomes more of a webinar than a social mm -hmm. interaction. Uh, well, so when you said that, I was thinking because you you hear all these people who have attendance issues. Do you do you have it? Do you have attendance issues, or is that really out of your control and you don't really? I mean, I don't want to use the word care, but do you, I mean, it's for them to get that stuff in there, not you. Like you mean to get their people on? Ten people are supposed to be on. Only eight show up. Is that on you or is it on them? Oh, it's on them. Yeah, yeah. But but I mean, it, it, we, we charge by chunks of twenty five, uh, mm -hmm. groups of twenty five. So so we say that you know twenty five is the sweet spot for people to engage with each other and the host. So if, you know if, if twenty five, the host can go, hey James, you really messed that painting up, but here's how you can fix it. At 100, they can't go screen by screen right. and help you fix your painting or answer your question about, oh, it's just, it's just too many people. So we find that 25 spot is, is the nice spot. Now we do uh, office parties, if you will, uh, of unlimited people, but it becomes more of a webinar where they're interacting in chat. And, and I think that's why people probably hate Zoom meetings because they're sitting on things like that all day. When yeah. you were talking about the drinks and stuff like that, I just have to make this comment because it's what went through my head. I was thinking of the Chumbawamba song, uh, where it's like the whiskey drink, he drinks vodka drink, he drinks a lager drink, he drinks a cider drink. Have you ever used that song in your marketing of the, of the platform? I know I have not, but I, you know, that's a Tell your CMO, tell Sonia. I will, I will. Sonia, Zach says we should use Chumbawamba. 
I'm not sure. I don't know what that song is about. I just know those lyrics because in 1994, when I saw them with my dad at the 9:30 Club in Washington D.C., I thought it was going to be cool. Yeah, for sure. And it was. And it it was. was. (laughs) Boy, that was a hit, wasn't it? Oh, Uh, talk about one-hit wonders. You know what the number one one one-hit wonder of all time is? No. Okay, so I believe they do this by top 10 hits is how they, they actually do it. I, well, they'd probably say Macarena's number one. Okay. But I, but I believe it's a Jimi Hendrix song. Jimi Hendrix is a one-hit wonder? Yeah. I wouldn't consider that, but I mean, so would it be... Uh, Where are you at, Gavin? Purple Haze. I know, Gavin was going to join us today, but uh, then he wasn't able to. But uh, Top one-hit wonders. I'll get back to you on that one. All right. So one thing that was really interesting, uh, as I'm thinking back to the Star Peninsula time, you got some early traction really, really quick. Uh, can you share more about how that happened? Uh, yeah, how you validated the idea? Can you can you talk about that at all? Or yeah, are you not able to? No, no. I mean, I can talk about whatever you want me to. Uh, <laughs> the answer that I tell people is that Jesus loves what you. Be careful uh, what you wish for. We will ask the hard questions. And, and investors don't like that answer so much. Uh, so I, th- I think what happened was uh, we were in a space that uh, right around the end of the year and the holidays that big companies needed. And so a quick Google search came to us. Um, there weren't many people. Uh, there are other players in the field, um, but there weren't many people doing what we were doing in terms of custom uh, and that kind of stuff, and it being our bread and butter. A lot of these other uh, competitors out there were in-person focused, and they pivoted to stay alive. Um, mm-hmm. Virtual is our bread and butter, so what we do. And so we just connected early with these companies with good SEO, good Google AdWords, and that kind of stuff. Um, and then I'm a networker. Um, I've always been a networker. I, I, I know somebody. I have a guy for everything um, or a girl for everything, and so I just know people. And so through networking, I got into Capital One and Wells Fargo. Um, and then through Google, we got in with Skillsoft and uh, Pinterest and Casper Mattresses and uh, Merrill Lynch and like some, some of these big companies um, that, that had a need that, that we could solve. Um, and so it, it just kind of took off from there. Um, I mean, if I'm honest, what we realized in that was there was a felt need then and uh, Mm-hmm. meeting a felt need meant constantly selling to a felt need. And so they didn't need you again until it was urgent. Right. It's, mm. uh, and so as we've talked to people in the remote work world, um, it's such a new thing that so many of these business, the big ones, capital one, Wells Fargo, um, uh, and then also down to, you know, hundred to a thousand employee businesses. They're so focused on the HR right now of, the rules of being remote, how we're tracking things, that they're not really paying attention to the culture piece of it until somebody's disgruntled. Like until like mm. somebody comes and says, hey, I'm burning out or like, th- there's a need that my team has and then it's urgent. And so now what we're trying to do is come in and say, how do we help you not get to that urgent space? Um, which is more of a, a long, it's a longer sales cycle. It's more of an education piece. Um, but it's it's kind of where we're at. But now. is that is that is that I mean is that the marketing angle where before the marketing angle was, hey, you're forced to be in a room, 
And now the pivot is, okay, we've learned that it seems like this style of company is our is our target customer. They seem to be having this type of problem. Now we're trying to market towards that. I mean, for sure. Oh, yeah, we, yeah. We, we've honed in our, our advertising right now on HR directors uh, at companies, probably 1,000 to 1,500 or under uh, employees that are decentralized. And some part of the divi- some division in there is what you're looking at. What do you, you know, mean? They're, they're, they're uh, a department, a division that they have, like a, not the, because I mean, you said 25 is your sweet spot of people. Yeah. You can't do a webinar with a thousand people. You can't do it. No, no, but but that HR director is responsible for the teams in that company. So if I can get in with one of those teams this fully remote, then we can build from there. Uh, Interesting. I, I do not see Jimi Hendrix anywhere, by the way, but uh, Chumbawamba mm. is on there. Blind Melon, No Rain, uh, Take On Me by Aha. Had no idea. Mm. Um, come on, Eileen. Mm. I tell you one thing that you know, maybe you can pitch this to Capital One, but I mean, how cool would it be if you were able to host an event for Capital One to hang out with like the uh, March Madness dudes? Like uh, if it was a fan event where you hang out with uh, Samuel L. Jackson and. Uh, you know, all the uh, Charles, Charles Barkley, Barkley, that would be super fun. You know, that would that totally should have been a, a promotion that they should have ran. And then you guys be the backbone to host uh, that kind of event. So you need to pitch that to Capital yeah, One. That's so just terrible. Capital One, but, <laughs> but we will. Oh, that would be great. Jennifer Gardner. Remember, yeah. uh, Jennifer Gardner uh, was pitched to be in a movie from Butch Meyer. Oh, from, right, right, right. Of, um, some bad hat a while ago she rejected she declined but i mean jennifer gardner and capital one and all man these some capital one you could also sponsor this show that is that's right always someone that so so bootstrapped raised money what where, where are you in that whole making money like where where yeah. are you in that? so we uh early bootstrapped uh and then early on um we took on one family investment uh, of 50 grand. Uh, I would still consider that bootstrapped. For, yeah, for, yeah. For, yeah. Yeah. So full, in that case, fully bootstrapped currently with an SBA loan. And that's, that's it. Um, really uh, we're looking to raise, um, but we also don't want to give up a ton of the company to raise. Mm-hmm. And so we're trying to get that traction. You know, if, if you can get a, a good chunk of uh, recurring revenue, it's much easier to raise money and not give up a thousand. Yeah. I mean, right now it's really, really interesting times uh, out there in the fundraising world. And uh, one of the, a phrase that is start, you're starting to hear more and more about uh, right now is called default alive. And I mean, every company needs to be default alive or work towards becoming default alive in the sense of you are raising enough money to keep the lights on that you are not going to be dependent on. And I got two months of runway. I'm starting to, uh, to lay off people. Um, it's interesting times out there. And the longer that you can, you know, what, the, the, why would you not like, I don't understand why you would raise the amount of money to only have two months of red, uh, runway in that case. Well, I'm would just saying you? that, if you were default alive, then you know, you're you, you're not reliant on raising funding in order to yeah. to remain viable. So I'm an investor. Tim's an investor. There's 14 other people in this room that are investors. What do you use that capital for? 
Yeah, so so right now it goes towards marketing uh, and then a development of our own platform. Um, we really think there's some IP that can be developed around streamlining what we do, but also creating more of a relational-based vir uh, virtual platform. Do most technology companies have their own IP? Um, yeah, that's a good question. Yeah, I mean, I've always been under the impression that software is a difficult thing to 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 have a you know a patent around a, a specific piece of um, I don't know what the word is, but you know it's it's a difficult thing, and I think a lot of people spend a lot of coin on that, and then they don't get the result that they want. Yeah. So I would just I don't know, Tim. What do you think on that? I mean, you so well, it certainly adds a level of risk. If like. Uh... If you built a business with no intention or no roadmap to to create your own platform or IP, and you were totally you remain totally reliant on Zoom or uh, some other platform, and then all of a sudden Zoom then decided to change their uh, terms of service, and then you weren't able to use it anymore, or Slack or something like that, then you know that that could be a, a risk factor. Yeah, to, do to their terms of service? Their does it say anything that you're able to actually even have a business like this on that platform like that? Yeah, no. So our lawyers have looked and we've been thumbed up there. We're good on their terms. Um, I think the other thing, Zach, is that right. So right now, if you're an investor and you were to say, hey, how come I can't do this or somebody else can't jump on and do what you're doing? Like what sets you apart outside of my love for what I'm doing and my ability to create environments? Um you know, there are other companies that can do it. And so as you move more towards that uh, specialized platform that is all-encompassing culture, remote, which is where we want to go, that's something that sets us apart. Um, and I think you're right. Like, you can't spend a lot of coin to build something that nobody wants, uh, which is why we haven't, you know, partners, we haven't done that yet. Um, we are doing, so we, we did the ICAP program, and we are doing customer discovery and lots of interviews right now to really fine-tune what would you use? Like, what would be helpful? What, what, you know, I just don't want to build something to build it. That's just silly. Right. Um, yeah. so that leads to another question I have is how has the landscape changed as mm -hmm. things are starting to open up as offices uh, are becoming more hybrid? How, how have things changed on your end or, or have you even seen a change? Yeah. I, I think it's, I think it's extended the sales cycle um, because um, it's, it, again, it's not, it's not that urgent need anymore. Not everybody's locked up at home, but people are working remote full time. And so instead of trying to figure out, uh, in crisis mode, how we work now, the question has become, how do, how is this now a lifestyle or organizational structure moving forward? Um, and so that's what people are wrestling with. And so, um, it's helped we've had to fine tune who we market to, who we reach out to, and those kind of things, because again, companies are going back in person. Uh, and so, but there are um, companies that aren't going back, big companies, small companies uh, that, you know, that even before COVID were moving remote. Um, I think it's projected like 32 and a half million people will be re fully remote uh, by 2027. And that was, that was pre-COVID. Um, and so that, that's been accelerated. And, it, and even who's not uh, fully remote. So for example, we were working with a company and they said, we're going to go back to in-person quarter four of 2022. I said, I said, what does that mean? Because you're the you're the, the the team lead and you're in New York and this team's in Northern Virginia and you guys are in California and you're in like, even if you go to the same office, you're not in the same office as your team. So now there's still a need there. Um, and so 
it, it has changed things. Um, and we've seen that, but, uh, you know, I, there's still a need. Uh, we're still talking with people. We're still doing events. I have one this afternoon. Oh, people are in front of their screens all day. So it's not like they're not looking at something. Yeah. I, 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 I think that genie is out of the bottle and people have that taste of freedom right now. And, uh, people are just more, they're just, they're just not looking to move back into an office. Uh, do you, how do you, okay. So this can be for anyone and this can be a discussion in general, but like how, how is, how are employees dictating terms like this where before employers were dictating terms like this? Like, is there going to be an office or not? Like it, it seems very odd to me that an employee can dictate a term like that to, to well, I think be that successful the long term. Depending on what you're you're reading, I mean, there's 10, 11, some even say 12 million job vacancies right now. And the job market is just so hot that uh, employees, the job seekers can, can make their own terms. Well, think about this. Like for the first time ever, I can be at work on a Thursday, take a, uh, in Virginia Beach, take my lunch break, interview for a job in California, get the job in California, ship my computer back to the company on a Friday, get my other computer from the job in California on a Monday, start my job on Tuesday and never leave my home office just because that job pays me. Like there's, there's nothing that holds me to your company anymore. Um, I, I have that freedom to work wherever I want. And so if you're not going to give it to me, somebody else is. Um, I think, Tim, you, you know, one of the things that we're seeing as we've changed is that what keeps people at a company is that culture. Right. Uh, no work may be enough to get you there now, but if there's not a culture that I'm engaged with, then I'm going to apply to five jobs a year and take the best one because I can. Like there's, there's nothing keeping me here. It'll be interesting. I've always thought like, like, you know, oh, these are the 10 things that millennials want in a work, uh, in a work environment type of thing. Culture is always one of those things, you know, snack bar, you know, uh, access to pool table, thing, things like that. Money is never on those lists. Personally, I believe that money is always on those lists. They just don't do it. Uh, do you think that it's something where people, these companies at some point will say, hey, well, if you want all these things, you sure will give them to you, but the, the salary is going to go lower? And, and then that, that, that yeah, that's a hot debate it. right now. I mean, I personally, I'm on team company, right? I just don't, I don't see, I, I've always been like this, where I've always think that the person who started the company ha, has it hard enough, isn't given the credit and, and, and doesn't have to, uh, the, the world doesn't see it in their eyes. And it's just, I don't know. I, I think it's gonna be very interesting to see how this whole thing cycles through. Yeah. Um, you know, I don't run a company with a thousand people, so I don't have to deal with that um, s scenario. So, so grand be on me for that. But like it, it sometimes it's I hear fascinating it's, because it's, I mean, because if you live in, in San Francisco, you had a cost of living adjustment because rent prices were so high. Well, what if they started so charging? Oh, hey, you want the, you want to work from home? Fine. Well, right. We're going to start charging you for Internet. We're well, start but what, what's happening is that your, your the pandemic hit, everyone worked from home, and rather than stay in San Francisco or Silicon Valley somewhere, then they moved east someplace where the cost of living is 30% less. Oh, so they started paying them 30% less? Well, so that, that's where the big debate comes into play. I mean, what, what's the right thing to do? It's got to recycle know? at some point. Yeah. You, you just think it has to. 
Yeah, I think I think uh, as I've looked at it, there's two trends. There are two sides. One is, uh, hey, this is what we're going to pay. We don't care where you live. You make this much money, and we expect you to work the hours of if you were in the office. So if it's nine to five East Coast time and you're in Germany. Yeah. Who cares? Like you're working nine to five East Coast time and we're paying you like you live in Virginia Beach, Norfolk, New York, D.C., whatever. Mm-hmm. And the other one is the cost of living and the work is defined by where you choose to live. So if you're if you work for the tech company out of San Francisco and you choose not to be in the office and you want to work remote in Podunk, Virginia, that's great. We're going to affect the salary to reflect what it would cost to live there. And so and well, that's not fair. Well, then work in the office, right? Like, so, like th- those are choices. What, what I think, and this, I, I can't prove this. What I think you're going to see is I think money is important. I think it's the number one factor. And I think no one talks about it. And it's just like, guys, come on. Like, you're telling me that 80% of people live paycheck to paycheck, but money isn't a thing on your list. Come on. Do you think, do you think, uh, maybe it changes when you have a family, but do you think a young kid out of college would take less money? to be able to have the freedom to travel and work wherever they want, as opposed to a suit and tie in an office every day. As long as the money was enough. But they would, but they, but they would take less. Uh, to some extent. Sure. Yeah. But I think I would. Yeah. But that number is you're, you're that, that kid out of college is still naive that he can do all this other stuff too. And that's it. like my first job, my first job offer. I think I was offered like $18,000. Then the job I actually took was twenty seven thousand. I thought that was an amazing amount of money, you know. Then you you sit there, and after a year or so, you're like, "Well, I can't actually. I, you know, I have no money. Right. Like I'm negative four hundred every month. So, so like, I think you take the job, then realize, yeah. then you're like, "Oh, screw it! I have to make this amount of money." So let's let's go to the other side of the coin, which is also happening. I have a job on the East Coast working at a company. I'm working remote. I realize. Hey, I can do this job in like five hours a day. I don't need the full eight. So I'm going to apply for a job on the West Coast. That's all. That's also remote, doing the same thing. And now I'm getting paid to do two full time jobs, fully remote, double back to back in the same day. Because that, yeah. that's happening. Is that's an equal problem that companies are seeing. I, I, it will be interesting to see if people don't burn out from that one. I feel like you're, if you really well, but they're they're not a putting a hundred percent effort in both jobs. No, and it's, no, it's, and numbers <laughs> show that you're a person is working two and a half hours of real work a day. So in that in that mindset, you can do three and a half jobs like that. Does does this hour count for me as real work, or should I not bill this as real work? We, your invoice is in the mail. Perfect. Thank you. <laughs> yes, yeah, so no, I mean, I, snap is our gal. I, 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 I don't I don't think it's a forever thing. I, I'm, I'm good at multitasking, but I couldn't do two full-time jobs forever. But I think you take uh, uh, somebody that goes, I can make an extra 40 grand over the next year and have double health benefits and all of that. And or 50 grand, whatever it is, like I can do anything for a year. Mm-hmm. That's, uh, that's just how I, I don't know. I think that's the bigger problem. Yeah. It's interesting. I mean, you're in that space now. You're basically an HR company, you know? Let's call Argyle and Argyle a spade a spade. You know, that that's how you're pitching it. Um, it's uh it's something that you're gonna have to tackle. And I, I think when because you're in that space, you 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 see it a lot. Um, how do you guys charge? Uh so uh we do packages. Mm-hmm. Uh, I, I have a one-off fee, but really I, I'm pushing packages, whether it's bi-monthly, monthly, 
and it's based on, again, groups of 25. Uh, for every 25 people, we give you an event uh, that month. So if you have 50 people, two events, uh, and then we build those events for you. Anything on top of that, if you want us to ship uh, spirits or food or paint kits, um, branded material, all of that is an additional charge. Um, but that's the baseline. Uh, it's 1250 for the first 25. And then the more you do and the more people you have. You know, $1,250? Correct. How'd you do at Start Peninsula? How'd I do? Yeah. Did you win? Uh, we won the first round and then I think I got fourth in the second in the finals. Did you pitch bad? Uh, no, I didn't, I didn't pitch bad. Uh, I overthought my pitch. Uh, and then I rewrote my pitch like five minutes before. That's right. And uh, based on some things that uh, coaching I had gotten from Tim, um, and then I just, I think, I think I actually botched the questions is what it came to. A lot of people botched the questions. I remember I, I, uh, what did I, I did the last one, Tim. I, um, yeah, yeah. I, I judged that. And, uh, there was two, I think two companies that screwed themselves in their questions yeah. and their answers to our questions that, uh, that would have probably, you know, been a finalist, uh, the other ways, you know, they, sometimes people talk too much. I mean, I have that problem every day. Yeah. What was your, uh, what would you recommend? Something like Star Peninsula to uh, founders or aspiring founders that that have something was it? Yeah, no, I I thought it was great. Uh, I think for me being the networker, it opened up a lot of doors. Uh, really appreciated the the experience pitching, uh, the challenge from judges who um, uh, are there. They're investors. They have real money at play, but they're not giving you their money that night, and so. It's, it's a safe place to be challenged uh, without the fear of, of uh, rejection. Um, they really, you know, are, um, uh, they're in it for you. They're for the, the entrepreneur and the CEO startup. Um, and then after that, you know, I was just able to connect with each of the judges one-on-one uh, and continue time from them. They're, they're willing to, to talk and coach and to mentor. And so um, for those reasons, it just opened up a lot of those doors for us and, uh, you ended up getting some business out of uh, from one of the judges, didn't you? No, uh, no, not the judges. But we did work with instant teams. Erica was on and watching. Oh, right, 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 right. I thought for some reason I thought she might have uh, did something with uh, with Blake, but um, no, we did instant teams. So you full time on this? I am. That's I am. Cool. What? Um, gosh, I. I what, what's the number one focus that you have? Is it, is it to get uh, reoccurring events from the same customer or is it to build a book of customers what do you, or is it both? What are you focused on? Yeah, currently, I'm trying to find that one cornerstone customer. Uh, so, we're, I mean, I'm, I'm working on selling um, uh, reoccurring events. Like that that's mm-hmm. the goal. Um, but if, if we could find that one um, cornerstone client that had a hundred customer or hundred people want to do bi-monthly events or every other month events. Uh, I mean, that would put us in, in a much better spot, uh, with that recurring revenue, just based on that, that price point alone and validate what we're doing for some other big people. And so we have some ends at places and, and we're in those conversations, um, but we haven't nailed that customer yet. Yeah. I think that you're in a unique position just in the sense of, uh, that you're going to have to play offense and, and really push the market towards, Hey, this is how the future is going to be versus 
sitting back playing defense, waiting to see if people are going to return to the office. I think that, uh, you know, you're going to have to put your, your mathematics hat on and say, Hey, the, these are the, this is the outcomes that we see by people that continue to have these types of events yeah. and really push things uh, from an offensive point of view. Yeah. It's uh, so one of the judges that I've connected with from startup peninsula was Marty. Uh, and Marty and I met, and the first time we met, he was like, this is the wild, wild west. of yeah. like, like, nobody knows what's going on. There are no rules right now. And so we're helping define some of that stuff. And so that education piece is hard. Um, yeah. So, but, yeah. Yeah, because, I mean, I just, gosh, it was something, something surfaced in the news just the other day. It was like the, uh, I don't know if it's the CEO or the founder of, uh, of Hopin just uh, sold like $200 million of, uh, on the secondary market. So he cashed in um, just in terms of things starting to, to cool off. And hop in is definitely, it's, it's very much different than what it is that you're trying to do. And the pricing structure is very different than what how you have everything. They're also the ones that bought uh, StreamYard, Zach. Um, hmm. But yeah, definitely is going to be something. What do they, they, what do, they do? Uh, it's more, I think that they're more in the online virtual conference space than, and they're really, really expensive. It's like 50,000 a year or some, some crazy number. When you say cornerstone client, you mean like one major client? It doesn't have to be a major client, but yeah, a, a client that has a hundred people that wants to do a reoccurring event, um, or even, you know, a thousand people would be ideal, but what, one of those that we can point to and then over the time, cause I, I know what data says, right? But but the story from somebody who's lived it is is a much better point, right? I I know that engagement affects retention and sales and um, retention of customers. I, I studies have shown that. Yeah. Um, but how, doing that in a virtual world is what we need to be able to point to over and over and over again. Well, and I think that that's where why so many uh, people job go from job to job is that. When you're by yourself in an office, not talking to anyone, I mean, it's just you get lonely. And yep. then when someone approaches you and says, hey, we love your skill set. We love what you have to offer. I mean, people want to be appreciated. They want to be recognized. They want to be included. They want to be invited. Uh, that's it's a really, really big piece. Uh, and that's where I think that a lot of what you do helps to keep that connection. And yep. that it's, it's a matter of of the market's coming to you uh, and you just got to maintain that. Yeah. I think even the, I think even the most introverted person when they were in an office would pass people on the way to the water cooler. And on some level, they felt like they knew people in their office uh, and they were known by people in their office. And you knew in your office when someone was having a good day or a bad day, or when you onboarded, you had to ask, Hey Zach, where's the bathroom or, this, you know, like, where's everybody go for lunch? And there were these natural conversations that you would have. They're not your best friends, but if I quit, I've now got to go to you guys and go, Hey, by the way, I'm leaving. Uh, and there's this grieving, if you will, of a broken relationship. But when I'm in my office at home by myself and I'm not engaged in any of that kind of stuff, you don't know if I'm getting married or had a death in the family or any of that kind of stuff, or if I'm even leaving, I just don't show up one day. Oh, well, James went to work for X, Y company. Like that's just the world that we live in. Um, so again, my, my, I'm a people person. 
I want to help people connect and be in a relationship. Uh, I think that, 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 that spurs engagement. I'm engaged with you all. I'm engaged with the culture of the company and what's going on. Um, and so for me, I think that provides a stickiness um, mm-hmm. that you miss in remote work. What do you do for fun? What do I do for fun? Uh, well, I, I, I brew beer. Uh, I smoke meat. And as you've said, those two things probably can't happen at the same time. Um, but they're very similar. And, smoke and meat. M-E-A-T. Yeah. Just make sure the guy. Yeah, me. Ribs, ribs, pork butts, all that kind of stuff. Um, uh, I enjoy uh, trying things. Uh, I enjoy playing Xbox. Um, uh, Yeah. So being out, doing things, traveling is always fun. Spent last week in in the last week I was in Blacksburg, Harrisonburg, and Charlottesville in one week, and that was a blast. Hmm. Uh, About ten years ago, I told myself and everyone that I knew that I would never go to the city of Blacksburg. And I never have. Why is that? Are you are you a are you a Wahoo? No, I just don't like Virginia Tech. Why? Just because? I, I, mean, I mean, is there any reason to like them? Uh, yeah. If you See, ask my if you ask my wife, uh, she, she went there. Yeah. So no. So when we got married, it was great. When we got married, the deal was she was like, "Listen, I'm a huge Tech football fan. We've got to watch college football on Saturdays." And I was like. Why is she a big tech football fan? They're not very good. She went there. Define not very good, though. Like, define not very good. They always, they never do well, though. If it's a nationally televised game, if I was a betting person, I would always bet against them. They always seem to choke. No, that's that's true. Um, The only thing they have going for them is that entrance, and it has nothing to do with them. Is that when they play uh, Enter Sandman? Is that what you're talking about, Zach? I do think Coach Pry is on the right track. I like what I'm seeing from him. Again, as a people and a connections person. Like his football strategy, I don't know much about, but he's done a good job engaging with the people, the fan base, and seems to be building your right because the fan base is what produces the W on Saturdays. Tell that to Nick Saban. All right. Hey, I'm gonna get all my betting advice from you, James Warren. Come this fall. Yeah. Wait, but are you a commanders fan? You asked me if I was. Yes. <laughs> you're in the same boat. Like we're in the same. It's it's the same thing. They're equally as bad. I, I was really hoping, and actually, I don't know that I know this. Has the XFL um, defined their teams yet? Were you hoping the Destroyers came back? Yes. No. Yes. The, D, the D, Defenders. Defenders. Yeah, yeah, yeah. The DC Defenders. Yeah. You're damn right, I am, and I'm going to be a Defenders <laughs> fan all day. <laughs> I think everyone in the world wanted DC to be the defenders team name for the, for the, for the, the Washington football team. And uh, they, they call themselves the commanders, which whatever. Talk about a messed up culture. Yeah. You know, it seems like just from a headline uh, perspective, you could do a lot of work with the Washington football team. I think you should maybe call them um, crisis management. Yeah. So, so based on this conversation, uh, we're going to get Capital One to sponsor you all and be my cornerstone client. Yes. And we're going to sign the commanders as a reoccurring event. And we are uh, deleting Virginia Tech from anything ever. Um. <laughs> yeah, it's, I, I, it's funny to me. I, I just, I'm okay with people having a hate for Virginia Tech, but most of the time they come from Charlottesville. Uh, mm. I've never had somebody who just hates them to hate them. So Te- Technically, I... Technically, I went to this school in Morgantown, West Virginia, 
and we do not like Virginia Tech. That's equally as fair. We play this year, don't we? They play WVU plays Tech on Thursday night. Where'd you go to school? I went to Randolph-Macon. Okay, but you can't say we. I mean – That's true. You're right. You're right. right. (laughs) I mean, like, I'm going to throw my wife under the bus right now. My wife says we about Duke. She didn't go to Duke. She went to ODU. Oh, we're going to win this game. No, 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 no. Anyone out there, this is the rant of the year from Zach Miller. Okay, look, you cannot – Say we just because you are a fan of that establishment, especially when it comes and actually probably only when it is a school perspective. Right. You can be a fan of the New York Yankees if you want to. You can be a fan of the Buffalo Bills. Right. Can you say we there? But yes, well, I I think you, you can. From a marketing case. standpoint, though, but you, you can declare perspective. No. If you're a marketer and when people start using we, then you know you won. You, oh. you did your job really well. So I will say this. We, Randolph-Macon, did win the D3 Men's National Championship in basketball this year. We did. Can I say we for that? I watched it. Yes, you went to that school, so you can say we. Deal. Championship. Virginia Tech plays your school this year on a Thursday night in Blacksburg. Is it a Thursday? Oh, so you guys are going to do that little uh, that team in Blacksburg? Wait, would you go to Would you go to Blacksburg for that, Zach? No. And, and, and to be fair, I don't know if you noticed, uh, Tim, but I can't say we. But when Tech, well, when Zach was talking about Tech there, he said, "So you're going to do like that, Zach? You're just it's just confusing." Right? I'm a hypocrite. I'm a big time hypocrite. <laughs> At least you own throw it under the bus. At least you own it. At least you own it. I want to bring up something, but I don't know that I want to bring this up. Uh, it's what I texted you about last night, Tim, this big announcement that I don't know where you, you feel on this, but we're talking about marketing. And I feel like this is, this is the time to maybe approach it. Can I bring it up? Do I get a vote? Yeah, you can get a vote. Sure. Okay. Oh, are you talking about something in the water? Yes. I'm talking about something in the water. Okay. So, uh, it's come to, uh, the announcement has come out that, uh, Pharrell has moved, uh, his, his, Big time conference, his big time um, concert series. I don't know what you got. Um, what would you call it? Festival. Event. Yeah. Yeah. Uh, event from Virginia Beach to the Washington, D.C. area. It seems like a lot of people in this region uh, really wanted to see um, the Norfolk, Virginia Beach, the 757 region, you know, uh, establish itself, put itself on the map and really become a hub um, around, um, you know, in- energy and, you um, maybe music and water and, you know, some exciting stuff. Uh, they had this concert a few years ago. Now it's been moved to DC. Seems like that's a big, um, I believe that's a big loss uh, for the area. And uh, I think it's extremely unfortunate. And um, I think that anyone listening that disagrees with that is, um, is, is about to get it. I, uh, I, I agree with you, Zach. I mean, it's just, when you look at the, the economic impact just from that, I mean, people were uh, like Airbnbs were sold out as far as Williamsburg when they had the inaugural event. Um, so, I mean, it, it was it was pretty had a big uh, impact on the area. It's too bad. It, it's it really is too bad. Extremely too bad. And a guy who, um, you know, from here wanted to do well here was willing to bring a lot of stuff here. I think there's a lot of uh, opportunities there. And uh, if you really look back, I don't know, 20 years ago. 
uh, very similar roots to this thing in Austin, Texas called South by Southwest. I'm not saying that that was something in the water was going to become um, South by Southwest, but very similar. Um, and uh, it's just unfortunate. And uh, I'm yeah. sad to see it. Um, and uh, as a guy who grew up in D.C., I guess um, good good on them for, for being able to do that. And, and uh, big props to Pharrell to to doing what he wants to do. At the end of the day, it's it's up to him. James? I think, no, I, I think, uh, and I don't know the economics and all that, but in terms of putting a place on the map, uh, I was in New York uh, trying to get home the weekend of something in the water uh, that the first time, and you could not get into Norfolk. It was it was impossible to get flights because wow. everybody was coming here. And then as, as you watch these things unfold, the entire music community was in Hampton Roads. Like all, all the focus was here. Yeah. Uh, and for no, I, I think I don't think economics could have been twin, trend, trending online. I mean, I, yeah. the, oh the, for sure. The legacy for me, and again going back to culture and environment, like this was the hub of music from Dave Matthews to I think Justin Timberlake and Usher, Chris Brown. All, everybody, it doesn't matter across the board, right. was here. I mean, it really, yeah. And the year that was canceled, it was like that was like the only shot of getting Post Malone to come to this area. Yeah. I mean, it just. I was thinking about that this morning. I forgot that he was. Um, yeah, he was on that list. And and, uh, and it was part of the uh, headline. I mean, like I would have been. We would never ever have a chance to have Calvin Harris perform in this area. I mean, he only does huge. Oh, was he huge, coming? He, for uh, something in the water uh, in D.C. Yeah. Oh wow. I mean, that's. Uh, it's unfortunate. It's, it's, it, yeah. Sorry. Nope. It, it, it's unfortunate. I think this needs to be talked about a lot. And um, I think it's something that um, we should be extremely disappointed in. And um, I think we have a, a fourth thing to add to today's conversation. We have Capital One sponsoring you, being a cornerstone uh, client. Yes. We have the commanders being uh, uh, reoccurring events. And I think Pharrell needs to come on your show now to discuss something in the water. I and mean, it's a startup. It's a business that fits in what you're doing. Uh, I think he needs to be a guest. Well, I think that we are certainly an extension of, of what he is trying to accomplish because he had a, a large uh, STEM and entrepreneurial component to something in the water. Well, that's what I was saying with the South by Southwest stuff. There's all this other yeah. stuff. There's all these kind of like other branches that I don't think even people saw that were so big. There was a week full of all that stuff at the convention center that was that was great that was the youth in there i mean it's that's it's really unfortunate yeah mm -hmm. you know yeah, had... hit us up we'll yeah <laughs> well because one of the uh the uh when we had uh kemsville the right. uh, that on uh, the entrepreneurship academy uh you know they had pitched to pharrell and that was uh that was a huge deal to them it I mean, imagine a huge deal for anybody. Yeah. Well, sure. But imagine being a 16 year old kid in a school where you're being taught, hey, entrepreneurship is this opportunity that, by the way, none of us had as kids because we were told, go do this other thing. And now you have this big rock star, this big movie star, this big, this big time guy who has has basically turned his life from nothing into one of the most uh, famous people in the world, putting on this this amazing festival and you get to pitch your business to him. And for whatever reason, we didn't allow, we, we didn't do whatever we could to, to, to ensure that this stuff continued here. I mean, that's, it's very unfortunate and um, we should be very disappointed. That's it. Uh, 
let's transition to a close. <laughs> James, appreciate you being here. Yes, thanks uh, for Mr. Ox himself. That's what I'm going to call you. Let's video. Is that how I say it? I mean, like, say it. that is right. That's right. Any, anything um, we haven't talked about that you want to talk about? Do you, do you want to tell us that the Hokies are terrible? I mean, no, I, I think that, uh, I mean, if we stay with football, uh, I, I just like to, to go build teams. Go. That is out of left field. Uh, but they're good now. So that's that. No, I just, thanks for having me. Uh, really enjoy uh, talking community people relationships. It's, it's my passion point. And so, well, I would, uh, yeah, I, I will close by saying if you are an organization, a business in this area, you know, letsvidia.com, get your events started, get them uh, scheduled and, you know, really just promoting a culture that we, uh, that we take care of our own and, and you are one of our own. We it's talked about this with hubs, uh, nuts. If you mm -hmm. remember, Tim, we saw yeah. all these companies buy, buy swag like things from companies outside the area, yet they want to, you know, support local, right? So this is another great example of how you can support a local company to get on board. If you're trying to, to improve your, um, your company's culture, I mean, it ain't hard to do it. Just yeah. hop on board. Love to talk to you. Let'sVidya.com. Super rad. Boom. Peace. Thanks for letting Thanks, me. Thanks, James. Hand. Appreciate you. <laughs> Later.